Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Elliott. And I'm Matt Miller. This is Hot Pursuit. All right, coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about a self-driving Mercedes, the new drive pilot technology. Hannah tested it out. Have they beaten Tesla to the punch? We're also going to talk about the BMW i7. This is the fully electric version of their 7 Series, their flagship executive limousine. Hannah's driving it. This week, I have driven it before, and it gave me ideas for the next car that I need. Plus, we'll talk about Porsche. They came out with earnings that were obviously good because they're Porsche. I'm also driving a much cheaper, I guess, Cayman competitor in a way that we'll talk about, and they could electrify the Macan. I want an ST. I tried to get a 911R. There's so much to talk about in terms of Porsche, but... Hannah, let's start with the Mercedes Drive Pilot, which is their level three autonomous driving system. Tell us about it. Yeah, I have to say this is a big deal because Tesla has been talking about their full self-driving for years, and they do sell something that they're calling full self-driving FSD, but it actually requires a bit of uh, hands on the wheel and attention on the road. So Mercedes swoops in with uh, something they're calling Drive Pilot, which is level three driving which does not require your hands on the wheel ever and doesn't require your eyes on the road. So literally you can sit back and read a book or watch a video or have video conference calls or watch a movie, play on your phone. Um, So it is kind of a big deal. There are limitations that we can talk about, but as somebody who's not especially excited about the idea of self-driving in general, I have to say it did kind of win me over. I was pretty impressed. Yeah. So let's talk first about the benefits of self-driving technology before we get into the limitations on the Mercedes system and also the cost, which I think is interesting. Um, You live in one of the most congested places on the planet. So for you, it can actually like make your life better. Yeah, that's really true. And I actually, when I tested it, it was on the 10, which basically goes, you know, from downtown out to the ocean. And I used to drive that way every day to work. It is some of the most horrible traffic in town. And the benefit was that I was in my car, but it felt like I had a driver. And that was a huge thing for me. I mean, the idea of having a driver is such a great luxury. And this technology, this drive pilot really did make it feel like that. It drives the car for you. It only drives the car for you on highways that have two lanes or more and that have a a solid barrier down the center. So this is already getting into some of the limitations. Mm -hmm. But the benefit is um, I got a lot of things done on my way to work, like answering emails. I was looking at videos. I was playing on Instagram. That's a huge benefit. And in a more uh, general sense, I was a lot less peeved and annoyed (laughs) by the time I got to the office, having not have had to fight with, you know, people that I think are terrible drivers. um, I think uh, we can agree that Prius drivers are the worst. 
Um, I did not have to fight these people on my way into the office. And that was a huge benefit because the car took care of it. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, for my commute, I drive into Manhattan from Scarsdale every day. It's an hour in the morning, really, uh, and an hour on the way back. And I like to pretend that I can drive a lot myself. But the truth is I'm mostly in bumper-to-bumper traffic. And it would be awesome if I could do work um, you know, while, while I was driving. The problem is I'm sometimes slowed to a halt, like when I'm getting on, um, for example, the Henry Hudson. But also there are times when I'm doing 60, you know, it's like back and forth, back and forth. And one of the main limitations of this system, I know from reading your story on the Bloomberg terminal is that, uh, it doesn't work above 40 miles an hour. So I just can't imagine how it would work for me because it would be awesome for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, what, it just stops working. Yeah, actually. Yes, that's exactly right. It is awesome. And then if you need to speed up and you push the gas or you even want to change lanes, it just cancels out the system. So this is actually an interesting note because level two driving will change lanes for you. It's kind of like a glorified cruise control or if you've heard of GM Super Cruise, it's basically that. Level three will fully drive the car for you and you don't have to touch the steering wheel at all, but it won't change lanes. And it also is only legal right now in California and Nevada. And Germany. So, so, uh, so there are limitations. Yeah. And that, I mean, to me, it's kind of like a, a deal breaker because yeah. I need it to be able to go more than 40. That's really slow if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess it'll come, as you wrote, that they're pushing to get to 80 miles an hour as the next milestone, which is, is going to be, I think, when it really works well. Maybe in LA, people drive faster than that on the 10. Uh, but I, I, I think... One of the coolest parts of the story is that they have like special designated taillights that are not police blue, but they're kind of like lavender. And there's a picture in the story. And I thought that looks so cool. So eventually you're going to be able to know when other people have automated driving on. Yeah, those lights are very cool. And they're actually primarily so that law enforcement know that this car is being driven automatically and not by a human. It's the the lights actually have not yet been approved for new models, but they're um, they're trying to get Mercedes is trying to get that color approved. You know, they have to run everything um, through the the standards and regulations to make them legal. But um, on these tester cars that we had, they did have these like very it's like almost a teal, just like you say. (laughs) And that is uh, largely so law enforcement know that the car is being driven autonomously and not. So, if, you know, if a cop sees you and you're like watching a video on your phone, he doesn't pull you over, basically. All right. The, to me, the only other problem with this is, um, you know, I like to do extreme tailgating. So I'm right on your bumper if you're in front of me in the left lane, uh, because I don't think you should be in the left lane. It's only for passing and I'm the one who's trying to pass. Also, I don't like it when someone ducks in front of me, you know, trying pass on the right and cut in front of me. So rude. And it doesn't follow that closely, does it? No, it doesn't. And if you try to follow that closely, it'll just cancel the system. So, yeah, I don't I agree with you. I don't like that these uh, new programs don't allow aggressive driving um, because sometimes we do need to drive aggressively. I like your term extreme tailgating. That sounds like a hobby kind of. And maybe that should go on. Our yeah. list of hobbies. I've taken that from um, college football. Yeah, fandom. that's that's very good. And, you know, I think 
These are all uh, steps forward. Level five is the top level of uh, autonomous driving, and that is basically a robo-taxi, you know, something that totally 100% drives itself for you. So we're at level three. Um, It's a new threshold that's been passed. They're trying to get it up to speed, uh, no pun intended, and, you know, we're moving in that direction. Well, it is sometimes you really do feel like you need a driver. So let's move on to the next topic, and that is what are you driving this week? You have the BMW i7, which is the EV version of the you know legendary 7 series. Um, I had a chance at it, and I have serious thoughts, but uh, tell me what you're oh. thinking about driving it right now. Well, you know what? I surprisingly kind of liked it. And and currently like it. And it's really funny because last week I had the BMW XM was not so much of a fan. That review is coming out next week where I'll, I'll really uh, go on my rant about the XM. So I kind of got into the i7, you know, with a little bit of a cringe in my neck. But I started sort of listing out all the things that I was thinking about the i7. And I looked at the list and I realized, wait a second, these are all positives pretty much. You know, it's very comfortable. It's large. And I think if you want a large car, this is this is great. It certainly feels more luxurious than competitors like uh, the Porsche Taycan or the any of the Tesla models. I think it actually is priced pretty fairly. Starting price is around one hundred and seven thousand. There are tons of options, a, a bunch of executive packages you can get that will make it a lot more expensive. But I actually think the starting price is pretty fair. Um, does this ring any bells for what you thought about it, Matt? Yeah, for me, mostly positives. I absolutely loved it. And I feel like my test drive in the i7 was almost life-changing. Wow. Oh, I love the brand. I'm a huge fan of BMW, and I always have been. I now have a greater appreciation for big executive limousines, and I didn't really give them much thought previously. You know, I, I was in Stuttgart with Ola Kalenius when they put out the new S-Class, and it was cool to be in Stuttgart and to be with Ola, but I didn't really care about the S-Class. Like, I'm not buying one of those things. But um, this, to me, kind of showed what's possible. There First are some negatives, though. I think it's the ugliest of all the executive sedans. I mean, the split headlights <laughs> up front reminds me of a Fiat Multipla. And I don't know how the designer... The designers at BMW have been getting away with what they've been getting away with since Chris Bangle. I, I just don't get who approves all that junk. The other thing is, not not specific to BMW, but with all electric cars, it makes me nervous watching the range tick down and realizing that at some point I'm going to have to fight some other adults for a position at a charger or find that all the chargers that I just got to are broken or realize that charging it at my house is going to take like 13 hours. Like, you know, it's just, it's not a good experience for me yet. Electric, electric car yeah. driving. The range thing for sure is real. Um, I have to, I actually think it looks kind of cool. I don't know what color you had when you drove it, but I've got this sort of matte blacked out, everything black. Yeah, it's brown. Grill. What? It's a very no. dark brown. Yeah, I had the same Is color. It? I love it. Yeah. No. Uh, see, I think that's so cool. I actually think, you know, Adrian von Hoydunk is the is the current design director and he I do like I do like his aesthetic. Um I mean, I remember Chris Bangle was a bit controversial back in the day. People, he was polarizing back in the day and sometimes I think these things tend to age better than when they're first presented on the market. So the the look 
Mike's didn't bother me. My question is, what did you think about the sound, this sort of fabricated uh, electric were you know and and so in other electric cars um the sound has made a big impression on me in the eqs by mercedes i really liked the fake sound that they pump into the cabin they've got to make it have some kind of sound so that you know you're driving and so that other people know you're driving i didn't notice it in the bmw just because i was so positively impressed by the driving uh manners of this giant hulking vehicle Mm -hmm. It was so much fun to drive. Part of that is down to the electric drivetrain, which is, I think, flawless. Um, But another part of it is that BMW focuses so much on the structure, on the rigidity, on, you know, uh, what's their tagline? The ultimate driving machine. It it really is true, whether you're talking about the um, the 2 Series, which I love, or the 7 Series, which I love. Um, I also really like the way, uh, what do you call it, the UX, you know, the way you interact Mm -hmm. with the car's infotainment system. I've loved it since day one of Mm -hmm. the um, iDrive, and I I still love it. And obviously, um, the materials, the build quality, like it's all A1 in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'd buy it. I I wish the steering was a little bit tighter. I think it feels slightly numb, but then I go back to, well, this is a huge executive sedan. And honestly, if that means that the back seat is just really smooth and totally cocooned from the world, then that's fine. I'm not going to like quibble with that really. So my house, so the reason it changed my life is that, uh, we have, you know, a, a baby now and a baby on the way. And so my life is all about rear facing car seats. And we have a Volvo XC90 as the kind of family truckster um, Love it. at my house. But the Mercedes, sorry, the BMW 7 Series, I think is a Volvo XC90 killer. And no one else is cross shopping these cars, but I think they should be because the stretch rear of an executive sedan, and it's true about, I'm sure, the S Class or the S8 too, is perfect for rear facing car seats. There's never enough room in even the biggest SUVs. Um, the biggest European SUVs for rear-facing car seats without moving the passenger seat forward or moving the driver's seat forward. And so I think this is ideal. Plus, you know, it's the top of technology and luxury and everything that a car maker can do. The BMW 7 Series, same with the Mercedes S-Class. But they are so expensive to start. I think the, uh, the BMW M760, which is the one I love, just... They just stopped making it with a V12. It was 165 to start. And I've seen them two or three years old with 20 or 30,000 miles. They're clearly coming off lease for 65. Wow. And it's just massive depreciation. So now it puts it in the range of an XC90. Plus, I get it's a BMW. It's so much more fun to drive. And in the case of the M760, it's a V12, and it's the last one they're ever going to make. So my next car is going to be, I'm going to say it, a BMW M760. As soon as I convince my wife that she doesn't need a Volvo, the BMW is just as safe and even better if you have two kids. I like. I really like that. I think you've convinced me. I can totally see that, and I can also see... The, the partners sort of saying, well, it's not high enough and, you know, it doesn't have the patch back loader, but I can actually see it. I can kind of buy what you're saying. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work 
passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to topic number three, which is like Porsche in general, because I have a million questions for you about Porsche. I will first say that I'm this week I'm driving the little Nissan Z and I'm actually driving the supposedly pre-production version of the Nismo edition for next year. It's an awesome car. I've driven the Z before. Uh, I, I love the total late 70s, early 80s styling, but um, I think it needs a stick in order to be fun. There's mm. no way I'm squeezing yes. myself into something that tiny unless I'm using a manual transmission. Also, I'm just too big. They clearly made it for the yeah. Japanese market. Americans just don't fit in them. How tall are you, Matt? I'm 6'4", and the wow. reason I bring up the Nissan with the Porsche is that I think it's a pretty clear competitor to a, a Cayman um, or a Boxster, right, uh, in that it's just a very small, dedicated sports car. Um, it's obviously much cheaper and doesn't have... Uh, the status of a Porsche. But if you're in the market for one of these tiny little things, I don't think it matters that it's front engine instead of mid engine. I would put it up against a Cayman any day. Yeah, that's cool. Did they say what the Nismo edition gets you? Like, what is what extra does that mean? They probably or did. Or is it just paint? I wasn't paying attention. No, I think <laughs> I think it's more than more than paint. But um, I quickly passed it along to Barry Ritholtz, and because his wife, I think, really wants to buy one, so I thought might as well oh. give him a chance in it. But it's a competitor to the Cayman, although probably not a lot of people will be cross shopping the two. They're not in the same exact price range. Uh, in terms of Porsche, I just have a million questions for you. So um, what do you think about the Taycan? I mean, what do you think about Porsche's uh, drive into electric? Well, I think the Porsche Taycan was the first electric sedan that was really better than Tesla. 
and was the first one that really showed what a proper professional car company with heritage and real German engineering can do when they decide to go electric. Because before that, you we had obviously some other electric vehicles out there. But if you wanted a quote unquote luxury electric sedan, Tesla was the only option. And so when Porsche finally brought out the Taycan, and I remember that debut, it was like uh, 2018, I believe, at Niagara Falls. It was a big deal. Um, it was like, finally, finally, like the, the actual big guys who've been doing this for 75 years are going to bring a competitor so we're not stuck having to satisfy our craving for EVs with Tesla, which is not a luxury experience. Yeah, no, it's very Spartan. Um, I don't know if Porsche has cracked the the range nut because it seems like that's one of the things that Elon Musk has really been able to do. Um, but yeah. yeah, I went to the I went to the launch on the Polish border, is where they had it in Germany. I rode my Multistrada cool. out there, and I was impressed. But Walter Rohrl, um, who was the you know the famous the driver. rally driver, yeah. he was yeah. testing it apparently for Porsche, and he made a comment some something along the lines of it's the greatest car I've ever driven in terms of power delivery and handling, but I would never buy one, which I thought yes. was, it's totally sums up the way I feel about it as well. That's fine. And honestly, I'd expect nothing less from this old guard of driver of racing champion, especially someone who made their entire career on, you know, a certain engine. Um, I, I would expect nothing less from him, it's definitely a different proposition. I, but I, I know that the market wants it. You know, I noticed uh, in Q3 earnings, sales of the Taycan are up more than 50% year over year. And so I think as long as as many as Porsche can make, they will probably be able to sell. Now, I want to ask about some of the special editions because um, when they came out with the 911R, I was like, I felt like I was at the front of the line, or at least one of the first people to know about it. And when I tried to buy one, wow. they said, no, it's already been sold out. <laughs> now they have another real purist 911 in the ST, which is exactly what I want. You know, I don't want any of the um, crazy technological enhancements. I just want a big, naturally aspirated flat six in the back. Um, and you know, a 911 that, that can steer. Why do they charge so much and make so few of these perfect vehicles and then only offer us the vehicles that we know aren't nearly as good? Um, the short answer is because they can. And um, it, I have to say, I love your impulse to go for the 911R um, because as opposed to the ST, which I'll get to in a second, the R has a specific vehicle from 1967 that it's taken off of. If you remember, uh, the 67 911R was a actual race car. They made fewer than 25 of them. It was an actual real car, uh, never available to the public, but it actually was an actual racing car. Now, the, the STs from the 70s were not actually a real car. You could sort of buy a 911 and spec it to ST specs. Um, it's a combination of the 911S and the 911T, but there was no actual Porsche 911 ST sold. You had to kind of spec it yourself from the factory. So the fact that Porsche is now offering uh, almost $300,000 911 ST with a, a very unfortunate 
optional heritage livery on it um, just seems a bit like a cash grab. The new 911R, I could kind of see they made 991 of them because it was built on the 991 chassis. So that's, you know, sort of creative. But those, I just checked on Bring a Trailer this morning. One sold in June for almost $400,000. And that's used. So the, the 911Rs, I can actually see the reason. But the ST, to me, feels like a straight-up cash grab. And they've got the same engine in that that they have in the uh, GT3 RS. So it's like, spend less money, get an actual proper GT3. That's my rant. I think I would go for the T at this point because I'm getting old enough. Yes, to... the Carrera T is a 911, is a thinking man's 911 because you get everything you need, nothing you don't. Also, it's way more livable. Let's not forget T stands for touring. It's way more livable. It's honestly like the smart adult choice. It's a better compliment than I've been given in years, but I, I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. Uh, we have the same choice in 911, new 911s. That does it for the podcast this week. I want listeners to know you can tune into my radio show every weekday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can watch me on Bloomberg TV from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, most weekdays as well. And I'm on Instagram at MattMiller1973. I'm on Twitter on the same handle, but I don't really tweet that much. And if you want to find me, you can find me on Bloomberg.com under Bloomberg Pursuits. That's where all of my car coverage lives. You can find me on Instagram at HannahElliottXO. That's Hannah Elliott with two L's, two T's, two H's, two of everything. And you can also find me on Twitter slash X, although I'm not on there very much these days either. All right. Catch Hot Pursuit again next week. Same time, same place. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Hannah Elliott. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.